Welcome to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast with Sakar Kali. During this program, you will hear guest experts sharing their experiences, best practices, and market insights. We discuss investing in multifamily apartment complexes and how a busy professional can passively invest hassle-free in various opportunities. Your host, Sakar Kali, owns millions of dollars of assets and has done thousands of value-add projects over 20 years now. So listen in for insights. Here's your host, Sakar Kali. Welcome to another edition of Premium Cashflow Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb with Good Egg Investments. Welcome, welcome to the show, ladies. Thanks, Thanks so for much having us. Thank you for taking time. Uh, both of them busy moms with corporate careers, uh, and they have successfully transitioned into real estate. And I have the pleasure of speaking to them today and dig into their story and uh, learn interesting things as to what they have done uh, they are a big force right now, raising capital and equity for a lot of successful operators that uh, we all mutually know. And I was very excited to learn about their story. And it's very inspiring for everyone to hear how they have been able to add such a tremendous value to a lot of uh, passive investors, educating them and raising uh, you know, equity and capital. And at the same time, uh, you know, giving a lot of good returns and multiplying, you know, passive investors money. Uh, it is very inspiring and a lot of uh, investors should take a really a note of the work they are doing. And it is very inspiring, as I said. So welcome to the show, ladies. Uh, it is my pleasure to, uh, you know, host you today. Uh, let's get started. Uh, if you can both uh, kindly give me uh, some background on, you know, what your previous experiences were and how you got uh, and married into Good Egg Investments uh, as a company now. Uh, you want to go ahead uh, uh, with uh, first, uh, Julie there? Sure, sure. Yeah. Hi, I'm Julie Lamb. Thanks so much for having me on the show today. Uh, so I got started in real estate investing back in 2009. And I was just doing, you know, the traditional narrative that people do when they get married, which is buy a home because that's how we're taught to build our wealth, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it just so happened that it was 2009 uh, and that the property we were looking at buying was, you know, 50% off of what it was a year and a half prior. Uh, and we thought, well, maybe one day, you know, this property will be worth what it was a year or two ago. And, uh, you know, as we, as the market cycle started to mature, that's pretty much what started to happen. Um, I live in San Francisco. Uh, uh, and so that's some of the surrounding areas outside of San Francisco were kind of hit pretty hard in the downturn. And so that was kind of an opportunity for us. Um, we bought that property. It was like a three bedroom house. And we ended up doing what we call in the real estate industry house hacking, which is where sure. you rent out the other rooms to offset your debt payments. And that's, that's what we did. Uh, and that was sort of the, when the light bulb went on, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, leverage and building wealth. And that was when, you know, real estate started becoming more interesting from an investor standpoint. Uh, we started buying more properties in 09 and 10, and then we started to exit those properties in 13 and 16. And, you know, we were trying to figure out what the next best move for us would be. And I thought, you know, maybe the best thing for us to do would be to get into more debt and, uh, you know, <laughs> buy a primary home, which is what I think most people do, right? As yeah. they go and their careers and they have more money, they think I'll get myself into more debt. 
and as we were moving through that process, I realized very quickly that that was not the way to build wealth. It just could not be. And as we were facing this huge mortgage, um, I couldn't imagine working the next 30 years of my life if I even made it that far, uh, you know, to pay down this mortgage um, to own this house. And so uh, that's when I discovered cash flowing rentals out of state around that same time. We didn't buy the house and I started buying properties out of state for cash flow. And that was when another light bulb went on, uh, you know, to be able to park my money in an investment and have it pay me instead of the other way around where I park my money in a primary home and I have to pay it. And so that was when kind of another light bulb went on and I knew I wanted to do more of that. Um, but the, uh, <laughs> the work that goes into, as I'm sure you know, the work right. that goes into, uh, you know, buying single family homes and smaller duplexes, it's, it's a lot of work, um, especially, you know, every property you buy, you have to work with a lender and there's insurance and all kinds of things. And so that was when I wanted to get into multifamily because I thought, you know, if I can do 200 or 300 doors at once with potentially the same amount of work, then it might, you know, start to make sense in terms of potentially financial freedom. And so that's how I uh, got into multifamily. As I started to research multifamily, though, I quickly realized that there's a lot of moving pieces uh, right. that goes into acquiring a building, all, you know, everything from underwriting to capital raising to asset managing to working with lenders and building broker relationships. Um, and so I found out about that opportunity to be a passive investor around that same time. And I didn't even know about that. And I thought, this is interesting because now I can get into a deal. I can learn about the deal and the opportunities and learn about the markets, why we're investing there and essentially get paid to learn. Right. So I can, instead Absolutely. of putting my money into a deal and potentially putting myself at risk because I don't know what I don't know yet, I can leverage the knowledge and expertise and relationships that other more experienced operators have in markets that I'm interested in investing in while I'm earning a return. And so that was really interesting for me. Um, and that was when, again, another light bulb went on of, wow, I can put money here after I, of course, did due diligence. I can put money here and earn a return monthly into my bank account right. for doing nothing. And so that was when another light bulb went on. And that was sort of the beginning of, of my capital raising career and doing what we do now at Good Egg Investments. Um, and in 2017, I was offered the opportunity to do my first capital raise uh, and did a few of those before I met my business partner. And... Uh, in 2018 and then we co-founded good egg investments together and uh we over the last year and a half or so together we've done about 13 deals so uh yeah that's um kind of the long short story on my background that's awesome uh, and how about you annie well you know it's funny julie mentioned that we didn't meet until about a year ago and it's it's funny how parallel our paths have been. So I'll spare you of hearing the same story twice, but basically we started out the same way. I, you know, my husband and I um, bought a duplex when we first got married and um, then we house hacked that one. And then we bought uh, another few duplexes and now we live in the very expensive San Francisco Bay Area. So then we started investing out of state, just like Julie did, mm -hmm. and quickly found out that that's much more work than we had anticipated. And so one thing led to another, and we became passive investors as well. And so it's funny. Um, so Julie and I met a year ago, and one of the passions that we had 
was uh, we were both interested as as busy working moms in helping other busy working moms right. to learn about passive income and the transformation that it could have mm -hmm. on their lives as it had had on ours. And so that's how we the the conversation that we initially struck up was around helping other moms. And then over time, then we said, hey, you know, we're trying to help the same people. Maybe we could join forces. And that's how the partnership was created. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, and it's, it's very interesting. You both mentioned that I had the same parallels. Uh, you know, we uh, I mean, we own well over 200 properties now. But I can relate to exactly what you're saying is that being in a very expensive market and trying to invest uh, out of state adds a such a ton of a level of complications that it's, it's not, uh, I mean, you know, it is a very active a business that you have to be very connected to understand what's happening, uh, have a very good property manager and things like that. So there's a lot more to it than just see, seeing just a uh, pro forma off for a property and just saying, okay, this works, but not realizing that come month three, four, six down the line, you may have an eviction or an expensive repairs and things like that. And they, they, I mean, those things tend to be sort of the pitfalls for a lot of investors. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but awesome, awesome. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, you know, I, I'll just throw in a quick story here because sure. mm -hmm. we had um, house hacked a number of duplexes and we thought, we got this. We could do this whole out of state real estate investing thing. That's no problem. We've read all the bigger pockets forums and listened to the podcast. We have our own homegrown spreadsheet. We know how to analyze these deals. Mm -hmm. And on paper, the out-of-state rentals that we bought cash flowed great, right. hundreds of dollars a month each for each door. Until. And so we thought, this is <laughs> going to be great. So we bought several, you know, we quickly mm -hmm. amassed a couple dozen units out of state. And then all of a sudden things started going wrong, you know, and I think the thing was when we house hack, we, um, we're attracting tenants like ourselves. Mm -hmm. They have full-time jobs. They pay on time. They let us know if there are maintenance issues. Sure. But when we are investing out of state, we're following the guidelines. We're, you know, we're investing in these developing areas. Mm -hmm. And so we're attracting a very different tenant profile. And sure. with that comes very different problems. Absolutely. So that's, that's something that both Julie and I have learned the hard way. Yeah. No, and, and absolutely. And I mean, you, you come across so many uh, sort of unreasonable requests and things like that, that, uh, you know, uh, I mean, you know, we deal these, those such issues on a daily basis. We have our staff who's highly capable to tackle these things, but I can imagine that, uh, you know, being out of state, uh, trying to tackle the, uh, these investments can be extremely difficult and, uh, and to make things even worse, if you don't have a, competent property manager, it can really complicate things for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And it's hard to tell from afar if how competent they actually are sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that brings into full circle as to, uh, you know, why multifamily and large deals and how passive investors uh, can be, uh, you, you know, leveraged uh, and their capital can be, you know, utilized so that uh, we can give them the returns. Uh, and things like that. I mean, I cannot begin to tell you over the years uh, of my career, I met so many people that I was trying to help, but 
I think single family in general doesn't lend itself to uh, to you know a lot of these passive investments unless you do some kind of a partnership or a joint venture and things like that. But the bigger deals which are you know which we are going to get into you know uh, those are the ones i believe are the right vehicles and the right size so that you know multiple uh, investors can come in uh, and you know buy a larger asset as we technically call using syndications so uh, so give us a quick story on your goodek investments uh, what you both are involved how you you know sort of help the passive investors just give us a rundown on how everything came about well, I think a big part of um, why we got together was, you know, there's so many different parts of syndicating a large deal, right? Sure. You have to have the relationships with the brokers. You have to look at the properties, analyze the numbers, and then you have to raise the capital, close the deal, manage the asset. So there's so many different pieces. And the piece that Julie and I gravitated toward was raising capital. Sure. But even within raising capital, there's still a lot to do. And so the two main parts that we have identified are one, the education piece. And second, then once you're educated as a passive investor, how do you actually invest in the deal and how do you connect with those deals? Sure, so sure. that's why we came together is I sort of take the lead on the education side. So. Mm -hmm. When a passive investor comes to us and they say, well, I want to invest in a deal with you, but I don't really know the difference between a cap rate and an equity multiple. I don't even know what those words mean. Absolutely. You know, so they come to us and we have lots of blogs and videos and resources and an online course to really help them get from having no experience with real estate investing to a point where they can speak the language, they understand how to look at a deal, what the pitfalls to look for, all of that, whether they invest with us or not. So that's the first thing we provide is the education. And then once they're ready to invest, then Julie is with them every step of the way. And that's really her strong suit is in thinking, helping investors think through their investing goals and their investing strategy, and then helping them to connect with the right deals for them. Awesome, awesome. Uh, I love your work. And uh, Annie, I think uh, I think few things I can say is that confidence through education is such a powerful thing that once you educate them and they are confident, I think they can ask all kinds of problematic questions to Julie and make her life difficult, isn't it, Julie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so uh, I appreciate the detailed answer there, Annie. Uh, so speaking about, uh, you know, like uh, evaluating some of the investments and, uh, you know, who are the, the uh, people doing those investments we call sponsors or operators and things like that. So give us an overview there, uh, Julie, as to, you know, what goes behind the scenes that uh, someone contacts you that, hey, I think uh, we have an investment. Uh, give us that process rundown as to, you know, like, how you evaluate uh, what sort of questions you are asking the operators. Uh, sometimes it's not just the deal itself, as you can relate, it's their integrity, their track record and things like that. If you could give us some overview on how is your sort of uh, process to evaluate, that'd be great. Sure. 
Yeah, so I would say that, um, you know, in terms of, you know, building a relationship with the operators, it's one that we don't take lightly. Uh, we initially started out working with one operator, and I would say that one operator that we identified as a solid operator, strong track record, integrity, and sort of, you know, checked all the boxes for us. Sure. We've done about 80, 90% of our deals with that one operator. So That's that gives awesome. kind mm -hmm. of an idea of the way we like to work. Sure. Uh, you know, what we don't want to do is have, you know, 20 different operators in one deal with each operator, because in our opinion, that doesn't allow us to build the strong relationship that I believe is required, you know, to do the partnerships and the deals that we do together. Completely um, everything there. Yeah. And so we, anyone that we've partnered up with, and we only have four operators that we've partnered up with across all of the deals, um, is, uh, you know, somebody that we've known for a while. So it's somebody that, you know, we've have in our network and they're in, they, we've had a relationship with them for a couple of years, or there's somebody that we've already invested with personally ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so that's where really the relationship starts is how do we know this person? You know, what is their, uh, working style? Are they, you know, do they have attention to detail? Are they, you know, operating with integrity if something comes up? Well, how do they respond to that? Are they, you know, thinking about investors first? Or are they thinking about themselves first? Um, you know, are they really after just chasing the dollar or are they, is this a long-term business for them, right? So a lot of those things um, are the questions that we ask in the beginning about the potential partners. Um, and if it's a partner that we think we want to work with, then we will, you know, usually invest first and see if it's something that we want to, you know, how that relationship plays out. So how are they updating us? Are they, you know, are all of the renovations happening timely? Am I getting the returns I was supposed to get? So I think that's kind of what separates us from a lot of other groups out there is that we really take the standpoint of this is a partnership. Uh, you know, let's do this together and I can educate you because I've walked in your shoes and I still do walk in your shoes. And most of the deals we bring to the table, we are also investing in. So I think that's a little bit different. So instead of me saying, Hey, you know, I have this deal. Do you want to invest in it? It's more of like, um, you know, a partnership. And I come from a place of here's what I think about the opportunity and here's why I'm personally investing in it. Would you like to join me and that's kind of always been the way we've looked at it um, and then I would say you know it kind of flows down from there uh, in terms of looking at the deals uh, you know when you think about all the deals that every operator has to underwrite and all the deals they have to put an offer in to get that one deal under contract. And sure. then we get to sort of cherry pick across those deals, which ones are the ones that we actually want to do. We're actually bringing our investors sort of the cream of the crop, so to speak, in terms of investment opportunities, because, you know, we're able to sort of pick which deals we want to do and which ones we don't want to do. Right. Um, and so in terms of, you know, the deals and what we're looking for, um, you know, we're really looking for deals that are in solid markets, either markets like DFW that have has seen a lot of strong job growth or markets that are sort of emerging. And we have a couple of deals in markets like that. That's more of like an emerging market. Um, and, you know, we're really looking for deals that have a strong cash flow from day one. So we're not looking for anything that, you know, doesn't pay out for six to 12 months. Uh, we like to see deals that have nice long-term debt on the property. Um, and then we also like to see deals where we're going in overcapitalized. So you don't want to go into a deal undercapitalized because, you know, that could cost potentially right. a lot of problems down the road if mm -hmm. you know six to 12 months we get into a correction or a recession which we all know is coming soon we just don't know how soon um, so I would say those are kind of like our top three things that we look for um, in any deals that we do um, but yeah that's that's kind of high level what we look for in terms of operators and deals.
That's awesome. So end-to-end -end process then uh, there, Annie, would be is that someone contacts you, you basically self-educate them or you provide them resources. And then uh, as they are going through their process, that they have the confidence, uh, you then basically uh, bring them the opportunity. So uh, Julie, from a perspective of returns, uh, give us an overview of like what uh, typically you give guidance to your uh, investors. And I say guidance only because we cannot guarantee or promise some things. We can only state that based on our history and the projections we are looking, here is what we think uh, is kind of the profile of what we should expect. Uh, could you maybe give us an overview of when someone, uh, let's say, wants to invest 50,000, 100,000 uh, of their hard-earned money, uh, what sort of returns uh, uh, they can expect uh, and blossom after, let's say, three to five years? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the generally what we look for is an 8% preferred return. So mm -hmm. that's, a, that's standard in the industry is something called an 8% preferred return or mm -hmm. preferred return. And I would say 8% is usually the standard number that you'll see. Mm -hmm. um, we prefer those deals over the other deals where some operators will structure it where it's an 80-20 split, meaning 80% goes to the passive investors and 20% goes to the general partnership. Uh, and I think mainly it's because, you know, we feel that there's an alignment of interest that way, right? If you've got an 8% preferred return, essentially the preferred return means that the passive investors will take the cash flow from the property up to 8% first mm -hmm. before the GP takes anything. In an 80-20 scenario, you know, they're just taking their 20% and you get the 80%, so a little bit different. Um, and so 8% preferred return, at the end of every 12 months, we look to see was there additional cash flow above the 8% that was paid to the passive investors. Mm -hmm. And if there was, then it'll split. And that changes from deal to deal and operator to operator. But mm -hmm. I would say usually the standard is a 70-30 split and 70% to the passive investors and 30% to the general partnership. So what I've seen in all of the deals that, that I've participated in and deals that we've done is it usually varies anywhere from the 8% kind of being the bottom and 10% kind of being the top. So you can get anywhere up to an additional 2% at the end of every uh, 12 months cycle. Awesome, uh, awesome. And then um, you, and then so taxes is another thing which I think we'll talk a little bit about later. Uh, the tax benefits there, um, but the equity on the back end. Uh, let's say you invested a hundred thousand dollars. When we sell the property, you would get that hundred thousand dollars back in addition to equity. So just like if you were to buy a single family home, you bought it for half a million and you sold it for seven fifty. That two fifty spread is the equity, and that's how we're able to not only return the initial investment but also return that extra equity on the back end. Sure. And usually that number is about fifty to sixty thousand dollars. So you would get your hundred thousand you invested plus another fifty to sixty thousand. If you were to take that fifty thousand dollars and divide it by the five year hold, that would be roughly about ten thousand dollars a year. Sure. And so add that together with the cash flow annually that you received, you're essentially earning about a 20% return annually, uh, or, and, or you can think about it as doubling your money. So if you invested a hundred thousand, you would get your hundred thousand plus another hundred thousand between half coming from cash flow and half coming from equity. That's awesome. And we don't know any of a bank product or a CD that can match those returns. Would that be right? <laughs> and just for our investors, uh, uh, listeners who, uh, who may be listening to this, uh, preferred return is a concept where before any of the proceeds are given out, the investors are rewarded with that 8% right off the top. Uh, is that correct uh, there, Julie? 
Yes, that's right. And I would say that that money comes from the cash flow from the property. So it doesn't right. mean that the general partnership isn't paid anything prior to that. It just means that from the cash flow from the property, the limited partners get paid first. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's how the alignment of interest that we mentioned is that the operators are such that they're making sure that passive investors are rewarded. And that's the term that alignment of interest is, is that the investors who would have invested, their interests are kept ahead of the actual sponsor who has done uh, the deal. So right. good, good, awesome. Thank you. So now as we continue into this, uh, you alluded there, uh, Julie, about the tax benefits. Uh, give us an overview of what sort of tax benefits are available to passive investors like so they are into this deal but let's say they invested fifty thousand hundred thousand give us an overview of what they can expect at the year end uh, uh, through their statements mm -hmm. so at the end of uh well not at the end but every march uh mm -hmm. of every year you would receive something called a k1 and that's essentially a partnership statement sure. and that partnership statement will essentially in the early years of owning anyway will probably show a pretty hefty paper loss uh, and the reason we call it a paper loss is because it's going to show on the k1 that you lost money but actually all year you cash flowed and you received that eight to ten percent right. uh, and the reason that that paper loss is so big is because of two things um, and the first thing is something called cost segregation and so that's a study that a lot of operators can do on a property that allows them to accelerate the depreciation into the early years of owning the property right. uh, and so uh, you know that's one way is the cost segregation and when you think about the cost to do that on a on an apartment building varies but i would say it's anywhere from five to fifteen thousand on up to twenty thousand it really depends on the deal size sure. um, and who you're working with but when you think about the uh cost that it costs the operators to do that versus the potential you know return it makes a lot of sense right so everything is always how much can we put into this and what is the exponential reward on the back end for either ourselves and or our investors, right? Um, and so that's something that a lot of operators will do. Uh, and then the second thing is uh, the bonus depreciation that came into effect in 2017. Uh, so as of, I believe it was September 27th of 2017, operators were allowed to take a 100% bonus depreciation. Uh, because of those two things, you would see, uh, I mean, I have a deal that we closed, I think in December of 2017. And so we literally only own the property for 30 days. And that following March, our investors, let's say you invested $100,000, our investors received a K-1 in March that showed that they lost $50,000 uh, on paper, right? So <laughs> uh, not a bad uh, loss for owning Absolutely. a property for 30 Absolutely. days. Um, now, I, I'm not a CPA, so I do have to make that disclaimer sure. that you would need to check with your CPA on how that affects your taxes, because right. that varies in terms of, you know, your income level, uh, how you classify yourself, and a number of other things in terms of whether you're actually able to take that entire loss against your income uh, mm -hmm. today, or if it's something that has to be uh, held until future years. So, yeah. That's awesome. So just to uh, kind of bring this in full circle. So when someone invests, let's say $100,000, they are getting those monthly cash flow, or we can say dividends in a stock, uh, or, you know, in a stock lingo, right? So they're getting the dividends 
at the year end, which is you know March financial year end, you're getting these K1 statements that are sort of showing that paper loss through a cost segregation study at the asset that this is how much loss they made and that you can write it off on your tax papers. So that's your second source of benefit. And the biggest bang for buck, as you indicated there, Julie, is that when these deals are sold at a higher value, potentially by uh, through, uh, you know, we'll get into it as to, you know, how the value add and things work. But the biggest bang for buck comes in wherein the property is sold, you have your equity stake still maintained. So you're getting not only a principal investment, but you're getting that additional return as well. And when you combine that, from experiences of all of us uh, that we know that there are many uh, places where people have doubled their money within maybe three to five years. Uh, I know cases where, you know, they have gone like uh, two and a half percent, uh, two and a half times, I should say, mm -hmm. that you could invest uh, 100,000 and probably get back 250,000, 230,000, depending on the deal size. Uh, is that right? That's correct. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. So on an ongoing basis, uh, what sort of activities are involved? Let's say you are, uh, you have invested, uh, passive investors have invested with your company. What sort of activities or communications and things like that you're doing for your uh, investors as, as the, uh, you know, as the activity and the asset is getting managed through the lifetime? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we're um, giving them uh, monthly updates. So they get an update on, you know, when we close the property. Well, let me back up. So they'll get an they'll get an email confirmation once they fund. So that's kind of the first thing. So after they sign what's called a PPM, which are the legal documents, and then they fund, then they would get an email from us saying, you know, we've received your investment, and there's kind of a, a certificate letter there. Then they would get an email on the day we close, and then they would get monthly updates thereafter, mm -hmm. uh, and. And then uh, every quarter, we also include links to the profit and loss statements um, and the rent rolls, so that there's you know full transparency. Uh, you know, are, they are even though they're passive, they are partners in the deal, so it gives mm -hmm. them the opportunity to review the financials there if they wish. Those those financials are always available. It's just that we automatically include links to those um, you know every quarter, and that's pretty much it. And in in the email communication that comes out monthly, mm -hmm. we usually highlight um, you know where we're at with occupancy, that's obviously a, a, a big concern, uh, and whether or not we're meeting or uh, exceeding the projected rental income that we had discussed, you know, when we put the deal out to them. So if we projected $129 rental premium, are we meeting that or, you know, across all, all of our newly renovated units or are we not? Uh, another thing that we'll update folks on is the uh, construction aspect. So, uh, you know, the value add, as we kind of touched on briefly, sure. you know, any construction that's going on will include photos of all of that and kind of just update them. Uh, and any marketing efforts or news, uh, you know, in the local submarket will include that as well. And that's, that's that's pretty much it. That's awesome. That's awesome. And now speaking about capital raising, uh, how are you finding the investors? Like what sort of sources you're using to, you know, locate uh, or educate people and things like that? What sort of networking you're doing for that? Yeah. So when we first started, I would say a lot of our, our investors came from friends and family, just organically through conversations that we were having. Mm -hmm. And then over time, as we started to build out our online presence and build out our online resources and educational materials, then we started to see more and more people um, from online, online leads. 
And so nowadays, I think it's a good mix. We, we're fortunate that we have a lot of repeat investors. So people, mm-hmm. maybe they were friends and family and invested with us early on and then liked it so much, they continued to invest with us. Um, but we also have a number of new leads every day. Um, some from signing up for our, we have a free online course. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an email course that just gives people a basic understanding of what passive investing and what real estate syndications are all about. So we have a number of people who sign up for that. Mm-hmm. And then we also, we do a number of online, um, marketing things and we also, um, use Facebook to find some leads through um, adding value to various Facebook groups and Facebook conversations. Mm -hmm. And then of course, in-person networking through um, local and regional and um, events and conferences. That's awesome. That's awesome. And a couple of last questions there, uh, Julie and Annie. Uh, What sort of activities you are looking forward to now? Like I know there's just so many deals, so many operators out there what sort of keeps you excited and you know moving forward in this space vacation <laughs> <laughs> how about you julie what's your big why about that yeah i mean you know really for us i think in all seriousness for us it's you know and this has always been for us from day one is to have an impact on people and family yeah and the lives of people. So for us, you know, what we do uh, in terms of real estate investing is more of just a vehicle. You know, it's not really, I mean, I'm very passionate about real estate uh, and real estate investing, but I'm what, what really excites me and what I'm really passionate about is not real estate investing specifically, but about the opportunities that real estate investing offers people and in terms of freedom. And I think at the end of the day for us, what, really makes us excited is when we realize the impact you know that we're having on the people that we come into contact with and that's what you know moving forward i would say you know a goal of ours is you know we often get asked the question well how many deals do you think you'll do this year or how much can you raise and this kind of thing but for us it's that's not really the goal and that's not really the question for us it's you know how many lives can we have an impact on and so you know looking forward i think that's our overarching goal is to just continue to have that positive impact on people's lives and and uh, continue to uh, invest for good you know that's that's what we do so absolutely absolutely I, I agree with you and and one of the interesting facets in all this also Julie is that all of our lives are professionally so busy and as you can uh, for, you know pretty much relate that you know raising family kids in the context of uh, you know corporate job your work pressure and things like that there's just so many things going on in a family nowadays that it's very difficult to kind of keep your head out and say that okay you know what i'm going to raise my head drive 20 miles differently to look at a rental property or perhaps you know if you're fearless enough go out and invest that money come to find out it doesn't work so your work as you know educating the investors and you know giving them these opportunities is exactly i think what a lot of uh, you know operators should be doing is that educating people and making them confident as to why this investment is important and as you rightfully stated that you know once they learn the impact that this can create financially on their uh, young families it's it's uh, you know i cannot uh, you know emphasize enough that how important this is that people should take advantage and you know grow their nest egg and i love your company's name good egg investments that's exactly how it is you 
grow your good egg into something bigger. So mm-hmm. it's been a pleasure having you. Uh, please share with us, uh, Annie and Julie, like uh, how uh, more and more people can get in touch with you. The best place to learn about us is to go to our website. It's goodeginvestments.com. And if you ever want to reach out to either of us, you can reach out to us directly at um, Annie at goodeginvestments.com or Julie at goodeginvestments.com. That's awesome. That's awesome. And with us, uh, we also bring in valued guests at Premium Cashflow uh, Podcast, uh, experts like Julie and Annie here. Uh, we also have research articles, uh, lots of statistics, uh, podcasts uh, such as this. And time to time, we always have a lot of uh, good opportunities for investments that are available for accredited investors. Uh, so do ping us uh, if that, that's of any interest. So it's been a uh, pleasure having you, uh, Julie. Thank you for, for your time and Annie. And uh, I look forward to maybe touching base uh, in a, uh, probably in coming few months as to you know what news are happening at Goodek Investments. Thank Sounds you for your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast. Please join us at premiumcashflow.com to sign up for weekly updates research articles, and more. We will see you again for another great interview with an expert guest. Music